politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for all the issues that matter in the way they matter and at the time they matter. If that is your order, well, we are here to deliver it. See our podcast, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Wednesday. And as always, this week I've been recording a little bit earlier, so if the world blew up, don't hold me accountable for it. Uh, really enjoying our defensive handgun training here at Patriot Academy. Um, and it's interesting. I got a chance to watch Fox News because I got it on in the hotel. And it's unbelievable. Everything is a talking point. They don't care about actual outcomes but talking points. Joe Biden won't negotiate on the debt ceiling. Joe Biden's going to cause default. Like, wait, What? That's a talking point. But the main issue is we are going to be destroyed if we have woke and weaponized government accruing $2 trillion in debt every year in order to fund the Fourth Reich, bankrupt us at the same time. That's the issue. So the problem is not the debt ceiling. The problem is the debt. That needs to be the talking point. Because the talking point in that case would align with our outcome. The debt ceiling is not the problem. The debt is the problem. That's number one. Number two, you don't default. You default if you don't pay the interest on the debt. Now, while the interest on the debt is ballooning, which is why we need to deal with this, it still would be, let's say, you know, we take in almost $5 trillion in revenue. It's about seven hundred. Billion. So we're going to pay that. We have enough to pay the military, Veterans Affairs, Medicare, Social Security, interest in the debt, and some other things. Everything else, we will hold up until we get an agreement. That needs to be the message, not this stupid nonsense over, over default. They just never make the right points. They always find some way to argue about process and a talking point, it's just bizarre. But whatever, I just wanted to start out with that. Um, I wasn't going to get so much into the debt ceiling today. First, our show is sponsored by QP Goat Soap. QP is for Quinn Pittman, a 15-year-old Florida Christian homeschooling entrepreneur who makes his own goat soap out of goat milk. Unbelievable. We've been talking about their great products. I have almost all of them in my house now. They're running a special throughout... Um, the rest of the month into May for Mother's Day. It's really their best package so far. It's called the Four Seasons of Soap. It's 20 bars with five different bars for each season, like pumpkin spice for fall, uh, peppermint for winter, lemongrass for spring, and um, I think it was my favorite, tropical coconut for summer. It would make a really good Mother's Day uh, present. It includes body bars, shampoo bars, um, with hand and lip balm as a free gift, by the way. So normally it's a $120 package. Now through Mother's Day, you get 20% off. Add promo code Daniel, and it knocks down another 10 bucks to get it down to $89. That's soap for the entire year for 89 bucks in your house. Great Mother's Day gift, um, and it is really healthy, natural 
palm oil, natural ingredients. Uh, there's a lot of inflammation out there in that junk. And in other words, what you see on the shelves is kind of like the processed food equivalent of soup, soap. So again, go to qpgoatsoap.com, promo code Daniel, and look for the four seasons of soap Mother's Day package. So folks, one other thing just on the debt ceiling before I get to the main course here. Um, you know, you know like, like I noted before, at some point when you see the left-wing flank is giving McCarthy a hard time, he gives you most of what you want, at some point you have to say, all right, let, let, let's do it. You know, if I were to say, I, on principle, oppose ever raising the debt limit, right, even if you would say, look, this is our proposal, we get this and this, and, and I oppose some of their messaging I think is stupid, like I said, but at some point you have to govern. Otherwise, you get nothing. I mean, it's just being a reverse thumbsucker and – you run a risk of this sometimes. Sometimes I have to deal with activists that you know think nothing's good enough, and then you know sometimes it actually you get negative by being that way. But anyway, one of the things that the left flank is bothering McCarthy on the other way, they don't like the fact that it repeals the ethanol credits. It it's just so weird. So here we have a bunch of Midwestern Republicans that are holding up a bill to fight Biden on the debt ceiling because they're concerned about repealing green energy ethanol tax credits that enable them to create a monopoly to force you to purchase a garbage, inefficient product that costs more, gets you less gas mileage, hikes up the cost of food. I mean, the ethanol mandate was the Pfizer mandate years ago. That that was the, it's like the energy equivalent of a vaccine mandate. And yet we have Republicans supporting the Democrat Biden signature legislation from last year. But but then again, that's what we have. But what's even worse is that we're talking about being off message, focusing on talking points rather than actual civilization outcomes. And the biggest thing is the vaccines. To this day, it is unbelievable how it's not just that we are facing a cancer bomb, an autoimmune bomb, a cardiovascular, neurological bomb, immune suppression bubble, but the next generation has been affected. Even though, let's say the babies yet to be born and currently born, very few babies got the shot. Thankfully, I mean, one, even one is one too many. But guess what? We don't have a control group for the next generation. There is bombshell news I didn't get a chance to really get to yesterday just because I've been out here without service much of the time shooting. But just last week, so every month, pursuant to this court ruling in Texas, Pfizer has to release their correspondence with the FDA, their documents, and we found crazy documents that demonstrate that they knew this thing was genocide from day one. And to this day, we are not seeing a political resolution on this. People have just moved on. But anyway, they wanted to cover this up for 75 years. There's an eight-page confidential document dated April 20th, 2021. But the data that they had was from 
you know, the first few months, it was February 28th. That was the same date that, remember that Pfizer 5.36 confidential document where they recorded over 1,200 deaths and they talked about how they needed to have emergency staff hires to deal with all the AEs, Uh, the nine pages worth of over 1,000 very serious, often unusual maladies and injuries. So they had another document, this eight-page confidential uh, document, and um, if you want to look it up, just like put an ICANN aside. That's ICANN, the you know Dell Big Trees Group, pregnancy and lactation cumulative review, a page document. And basically, what it shows is that as of February twenty eighth, before almost any pregnant women, I guess except for the healthcare workers, got the shots, they knew that it transferred through the placenta, through the breast milk, caused all of the ailments that they knew it was causing directly to the individual getting it. And yet, they covered it up, went full bore with it, and to this day, most OBGs are pushing it on pregnant women, particularly pregnant women. And basically, here's what they found. They recorded 458 pregnant women in their kind of sphere of observation, 458 pregnant women. 54% of them suffered adverse events. Now, most of them included the symptoms that were in line with the AEs experienced by other people who took the shots. But 53 of the women experienced miscarriages. That's about 11.6% which is definitely at the high end of it. And remember, when you're doing post-marketing surveillance, you always have to do it with the lens of innocent until proven guilty. I mean, sorry, guilty until proven innocent, especially when you know the lipid nanoparticles deposit there, you know they're pro-inflammatory, and you know it's causing all these menstrual issues, which that they really knew. But six of the babies experienced serious AEs that Pfizer itself admitted were caused by the vaccine transferring transplacentally. That's the term they use. They they, they say they were exposed to it transplacentally, meaning they admitted it goes to the placenta. They knew this February 2021. More than two years ago, and still the policies haven't changed. So these six babies were born pre. So th- there were the miscarriages, but then there were the six that were born dangerously prematurely. Six babies born prematurely. Two of the babies died after suffering known respiratory ailments associated with the spike protein. So one was severe respiratory distress, and the other one was um, pneumothorax. It's another one of these um, lung ailments. After their mothers received the vaccine during the second trimester. This is what they record. Okay, so they, they observe this. They write all of this. Okay, I know it doesn't prove 100% with the scientific method it caused it, but that's what they admitted to observing. They had it in their document. One of the infants was born at 24 weeks. 
obviously that's like the borderline of survival. Half the babies usually die at that age, you know, if they're born that prematurely. Yet Pfizer never followed up on the outcome. Whatever happened to that baby? Even though they admitted that the baby was exposed, quote, via transplacental route, end quote. Another premature baby developed fetal tachycardia, that's the rapid heart rate, just one week after the mother receives her second dose. Baby was hospitalized. We don't know the outcome to this day. We've talked about this before. Uh, there's been Saudi surveys, other surveys have shown between 8 and 12% of babies um, suffer, not babies, or just anyone who gets the shot, suffer uh, elevated heart rate. But the point is, all the things that you see in the primary individual getting it, it transfers over via the placenta. I want you to think for a minute the demonic implications of that. Okay, think of all the, because particularly pregnant women were terrorized, often mandated by their OBG to get the shot. So you're going to have babies born and think, well, well, the baby didn't get the shot. You, know, you might hear this when we start talking about different trends. They'll be like, wait a minute, Daniel, how do you put that in the shot? I thought babies didn't get the shot or very few did. Young kids. Some of them could be two years old already. Remember, they have the spike protein in them. Or, or again, whatever percentage of adults or primary people get it, have it in them long term, likely you'll have that with the placenta as well. Now, speaking of demonic folks, um, if you haven't gotten Steve's movie um, or tickets to Steve's movie, uh, you go to whoisnefarious.com. Um it is truly a work of art. It really it, it's it's not political overtly, but between the lines it is. And it basically gets in the mindset of what a demonic person is and a demonic agenda. And you will understand what it will take to fight that. Uh, very entertaining. And Steve will actually be on the show to talk about that more later this week. So again, who is nefarious.com? Um, make sure you show support for it, just like you were so generous to show support for our book, um, Rise of the Fourth Reich. And and <laughs> speaking of Rise of the Fourth Reich, I mean, this is something that even the Third Reich never did, that you could have this go on. Could you imagine the percentage of pregnant women who got the shot? I don't have numbers in front of me, but it's got to be more than 50%. Think about that generation. And then, oh, whoops, we have the LNPs depositing there. Oh, whoops, we have the menstrual irregularities. Oh, whoops, suddenly we have a skyrocketing rate of miscarriages and defects in babies. Oh, whoops, suddenly, suddenly we have this drop in fertility. Let's not forget, folks, to this very day, Pfizer never did a formal study on safety in pregnant women to this day, yet they recommend it, and they often mandate it, healthcare workers. But what we did have was a study of 21 rats, Charles River Laboratories is one of the biggest preclinical trial you know, outlets, they did it for Pfizer, 
I think there were 21 in the control, 21 in the placebo or, or in the in the in the trial group. They found more than twice the rate of pre-implementation pre-implantation loss in the trial rats relative to those in the control group. In other words, 4.2% in the control group, 9.8% in the um, trial group. They had this from day one. How do we move on from this? And then they have in this document, this eight-page document, nursing women as well they found that 20% of the 215 lactating women they observed reported AEs after receiving the shot. So again, it transfers through breast milk. Some of them were serious, such as facial paralysis and lymphadenopathy, which is swelling of the lymph nodes that is often very much associated with cancer and blurred vision. Six infants experience serious AEs like um, those including skin, exfoliation, rashes, swollen skin, and unspecified sickness. And and again, they, they caused it, they, they refer to it as transferring, you know, or exposure through um, lactation route. So it's right in the document that they recognize the concept of spreading through the placenta spreading through the breast milk. Again, we have our own studies, not our, our own, but th- that have been published over the last year or so that, that show that we obviously have the reality that we're seeing in the real world epidemiological data on this. But the point is, Pfizer, and I must say the FDA as well, they knew this from day one. It's not like one, two, three standard deviations over from what we typically tolerate in terms of a safety profile it's a million over it's not just oh we're gonna put something that we know is extremely kind of novel and problematic into pregnant women without studying it no they studied it they saw it they saw it kill people and therefore we're going to go ahead and do it that's how crazy these people are that's how crazy they are And then connected to this, what was the other big intervention? Masks. Okay, to this day, to this day, every state is still continuing to allow this masking to go on in hospitals where pregnant women even give birth while wearing a mask. It's unbelievable. It's demonic. Now, Florida is set to become the first state to finally ban it in hospitals. Um, I know some people have been talking about this bill they're working on, S-252, and a lot of people want a stronger bill, S-222, which would apply not just to COVID, EUA, and mRNA shots, which is 252. They want to apply to all shots. I'm all for that. I don't know if they have the votes for that because you have this pro-choice rhino, evidently even pro-gun control uh, Senate president, the Senate president there is very liberal. So I don't know if the votes are there. I don't. My understanding is they're not. Whatever. Maybe I'll talk about that at a different point. But one of the things that is going to be in whatever bill passes is a ban on masking, and that will be the first state doing it after everything we know. So part of the problem we have now is that we have a lot of these crazy ailments coming up. 
birth defects and different things. And we're like, okay, is it the lockdowns? Is it the juice? Is it the mask? <laughs> you don't even know because they all might cause it. There's a new study out from Germany that wearing masks we know could cause hypoxemia, increase CO2, but that that could actually risk the rise of stillbirths. Now, keep in mind, pregnant women, at all of their doctor appointments, which are many, they have to go, they, they're, they're at the doctor a lot, so they had to wear a mask. A lot of them even giving birth. The study conducted by Kai Kisilensky suggests that prolonged mask wearing leads to CO2 exposure because, again, you have that open space, that added space that traps the CO2. Our experts that we had on the show from day one talked about that. Fresh air typically has around 0.04% CO2. Well, wearing, But if you wear a mask for more than five minutes, just five minutes, it could lead to chronic exposure of CO2 of 1.41% to 3.2%. Okay? So it's funny how these guys always talk about carbon dioxide as a pollutant, but somehow you could put it like trap it on your breathing holes, and that's not a problem. Really, really bizarre. But anyway, so they found that, um, if I just do the rough, rough math, it could increase your exposure by, yeah, I'd say between 35 to 70 fold more just within five minutes. And basically, it's a meta-analysis of a bunch of different studies they have different lab rats and different times where they actually experimented on this. And they found fetal defects in stillbirths. They found just 0.5% carbon dioxide for a few minutes to an hour per day is capable of inducing stillbirths and birth defects in guinea pigs. The U.S. Navy became aware of this. The U.S. Navy had, um, because they have to study this on submarines, you know, the carbon levels on submarines. And they conducted an experiment with rats to, to see what was going on. They found that 3% COT toxicity was observed in pregnant rats. So, um, and, you know, they, they had to deal with this with CO2 exposure. They found neurotoxicity in pregnant rats with exposure to 0.3%. Again, this is well below. That's like ninefold more, but not 35-fold more than the typical fresh air without a mask, that they gave birth to pups with reduced spatial learning and memory. This is attributed to damaged neurons and part of the brain. At 0.1% CO2, the pups had increased anxiety. Another study exposed adolescent mice to 0.3% CO2 for 24 hours a day for seven days a week. Compared with the control group, the rats were, you know, had like learning losses. I don't, I don't know how you test that, but I guess they do. And then adolescent rats that were exposed to 2.5% CO2 for four hours. So that's within the realm of what they found with human mask wearing for just five minutes. They had diminished fertility and there were market damage to testicle function. So again, it's what's interesting, I mean, I never would have thought of this, but we always said, what happens when you go on for a year, two years, every day, most days, many for many hours, some all day, wearing a mask? What does that do to you? 
Anything all right, maybe get a little bit more headaches. It's very uncomfortable. But that's the outward symptoms. What is that doing to your body? God meant for you to breathe. When you sit and in perpetuity cover your breathing holes, what do you think that does to you? Birth defects, stillbirths, reduced testicular function. So the big irony is, you know, when they're like, well, you can't prove that some of the reproductive issues are from the shot. They might be right because it's hard to know what's from the shot and what's from the mask. I shudder to imagine when you look forward to the amount of human carnage that's going to be generational transferring now. Who knows? I mean, remember, we have found that with the reproductive health, we had this study in mice that it it, it could go on for several generations. And yet, to this day, it is not taken off the market. We have not succeeded in a single state banning the COVID shots and similar mRNA shots. I, I tried to write these bills. They didn't pass. We had one in Idaho. The committee chair refused to bring it up. And Florida is the only state where at least they put out information recommending against it, still technically on the market. So here we are. None of this information will land. And the thing about, I mean, this this mass thing is a German study, but the first thing I talked about, the lactation and pregnancy, that's not some abstract study. That is Pfizer's own report to the FDA that they were going to cover up for 75 years. How is this not the top item subject of congressional investigation? Yet it won't be. We get nothing. It is truly a disgrace. I mean, we have to pray to God that he heals us. Because if you take just 5% of the implications of the studies we have in front of us, you're going to have hundreds of millions of people living and yet to be born that have physical, neurological, mental impairments from what they've done. So again, when you're thinking, do you think government would do this? Do you think they would do that? There is nothing worse than what they, what we know they did with the COVID shots. And again, this is not just, oh, whoops, okay, we did it, cover it up, take it off the market. Nope, they're still promoting it. Annual shots now they're going to have, and they're going to mix it with the flu and RSV. So again, we're, we're, we are still working on that agenda. I'm not going to let go of it. And, and, and here's both the sad thing and comforting thing about this. I don't have to let it go. You don't have to let it go. It ain't going away on its own. Let me give you an example of this. There's a substack out by this guy named Man Down Under, as in Australia. He's obviously lives in Australia. Man Down Under substack. I don't know his name, but I want to give credit. He has a very scholarly piece showing how in New South Wales, because they actually give out pretty good data there, New South Wales, they went from 90,059 babies born in 2021 to 83,411 in 2022. In other words, just to cut to the chase, a 7.4% decline 
in births in 2022. They don't have data yet for the first quarter of 2023. You can't miss that, folks. They have lost control of this. The genocide is generational. It's that bad. 7.4% to a sudden decline in one year, I believe, is a 3.9 sigma event. Okay, that's not something, you know, certain things could fluctuate 5 to 10% over, over time. Um, but this is, it's, it's just, it's almost impossible. Okay? It's almost impossible. It's one in, like, like a one in a million type of thing. So the thing is, transpose into the next segment here. A lot of people, when they look at Trump, they're like, yeah, he kind of sucked on that issue, but that issue is over with. Going away. We, don't, we no longer have to worry about it. Okay? We no longer have to worry about COVID fascism. But the reality is it's not going away. And the effects, the ill effects will go on forever. Forever. So we're going to need someone who is going to run on denuding government of the authority to do this, the indemnification of pharma, and obviously the treatment and diagnosis to get to the bottom of this. The biggest problem with Trump is that civilization needs treatment. Forget about even the politics. We need some sort of reversal of the spike protein. For example, um, Peter McCullough is really pushing this, and, and we actually pushed this before anyone, natokinase, as a possible silver bullet, or yeah, I don't like to use that term, but close to it, against the spike protein. You need research into that, and you need someone pushing that. Do you think Trump will ever push that? No. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with warp speed. Why do people boo me when I talk about it? We cannot afford this. And I just want to touch a little bit on the presidential race here. Trump came out with a statement, two statements yesterday. Well, two stories. One was a statement... I mean, these are like psychopathic rants. Um, where is this? I see that everyone is talking about the Republican debates, but nobody got my approval or the approval of the Trump campaign before announcing them. When you're leading by seemingly insurmountable numbers and you have hostile networks with angry Trump and MAGA-hating anchors asking the questions, why subject yourself to being libeled and abused? Also, the second debate is being held at the Reagan Library, the chairman of which is amazingly Fred Ryan, publisher of the Washington Post. No way. So he's basically paving the road for not wanting to debate. Now, there's a couple things about that. First, my buddy Pedro Gonzalez writes, and he's right about this, what made Trump a phenomenon was his ability to debate, mock, and make everyone look bad on stage. But the confident Trump of 2016 is gone. You've now got a Trump who is terrified of being challenged on his record and running scared of debates because he knows he's vulnerable. Right again, I mean, if he's insurmountably ahead, what is he so worried about? And I'm going to get to the second story that jives very closely with this. 
But same thing with his influencers. They went from mocking people to acting like doormen, policing attitudes and opinions towards Trump. The fun is gone, and you are left with a deeply insecure and paranoid enterprise lashing out from the bunker at all so-called traitors. The Trump, who wiped the floor with all challengers, is now demanding nobody debate him. The influencers who used... Who, who used to mock powerful and corrupt politicians are now c- cowering and covering for Trump because they don't want to be disinvited from the club. And this is very disturbing. I just want to get to one other thing. This is Florida WESH is reporting. Greg Fox, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis seems to have his next run for office in mind as Republican leadership filed a bill Thursday to revise laws related to elections. GOP leadership will likely be attempting to rewrite the law as they did former governors Scott and Chris to allow them to run for federal office while maintaining the flexibility to be governor. In other words, they did this while running for Senate and and then Scott conveniently changed it back because he knew DeSantis was coming. So they're just going to change it back. So he could run while being governor. And they're reporting that Trump plans to go to Tallahassee and like have a rally and protest this. And again, a broader um trend that I think a lot of you have seen. Let's just say a lot of these talk show hosts on the so-called right, they're demonstrating that they are scared of competition. They're starting to say you know what? We just need to unite. Things are so bad. We need to unite around one solid, amazing voice. Okay? We just need to unite behind Trump. Cancel the primary. Nobody should run. Cancel the debates. Wait a minute. That should scare everyone. Precisely when Trump is moving to the left, siding with Disney, siding with Trannyism, siding with Pfizer, no new ideas now is the time where you need the pressure, but now is the time where everyone's like, shut up. We just, we just need to beat Biden. And again, like this is, there's nothing new about this. This is what we've heard from the GOP establishment for years. It's never a good time to have an intra-movement, intra-party debate. You just have to focus on beating the Democrats. Now, I'm going to get to the irony of that, given that Trump is the most unelectable person in a general election, and, and the data is very clear on that. But just before that, you should be disturbed by the fact that everyone is circling the wagons. We don't want a primary. Now, first off, that's just stupid. Before I get to Trump or DeSantis or anything, just generically, there's this old GOP view that you can't have a bruising primary, that it hurts you in the general. And it's simply not true. 2008, it is a a great example. Republicans barely had a primary. Yes, they united very quickly beyond John McCain. This is what we've been fighting for generations. Some things don't change. Many respects, Trump is John McCain, with the exception of the fact that he gets the strongest voices on the right to stand down even more than John McCain would have. But the Democrats had probably their most bruising primary was 08 between Hillary and Obama. And far from harming Obama's prospects in the general election, it generated a lot of excitement. It generated a tremendous amount of Democrat voter registration drives in key 
you know, states that you need to win a general election, and, and clearly it helped him. So it generates excitement. I think it's stupid if you just locked it up. I mean, I will tell you for two reasons. If, if you told me tomorrow, Daniel, I, have, I could press a button and get all the Republicans to disappear and deliver the nomination to Ron DeSantis, I wouldn't want that. A, it's, it's actually good for the general election to generate excitement around the GOP primary, especially when the Democrats aren't going to have excitement. You know, pretty much. I mean, I know you have RFK, but right now it's a niche audience. It's not, you know, it's not the Democrat base. And number two, just in terms of our own policies, you always want competition. That is the time when we are pandered to and we can get commitments on issues. So I wouldn't want DeSantis to have a free lane. But these people want Trump to have a free lane when he has already demonstrated that he's moved to the left. You could imagine, you hand him the nomination, you say, hey, we're going to find a way to block DeSantis from running, no debates, no anything. That should scare you no matter where you are. Even if you're not where I am on Trump, that should scare you. Why, why are these people like this? I find this very, very, very concerning. And then obviously, you have the fact that he's not electable. WPA Intelligence, a Republican consultant firm, they examined seven national popular vote polls since mid-February. So very consistent. And Trump, an average of all them, loses to Joe Biden by an average of 3.1%, while DeSantis is ahead by an average of 1.2%. And remember, DeSantis, if anything, has a lot more room to grow because his name doesn't, you know, doesn't have the full name ID. Remember, all of the Trump people are saying, oh, he's way ahead in the primary. It's not even worth having a primary. Okay, well, then it do- doesn't harm. But the problem is those same polls that he, he's obsessed with show DeSantis beating Biden in the general and Trump consistently losing. And remember, there's no human being alive who's going to have stronger, entrenched views towards him than Trump. It's going to be very hard to move that. In other words, Trump's in, – in other words, basically Trump's weakness, okay, Trump's core weakness is the exact demographics that give you those few percentage points to win in Nevada – Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, those type of states. Maybe Pennsylvania. That's the difference. So I've been told, shut up, Daniel. Shut up with your principles. The most important thing is beating the Democrat. So why wouldn't you at least give this an opportunity to create a primary? And and, and by the way, just, you know, the, the primary polling, if you look, DeSantis is just as popular among Republican voters as he was when, you know, the numbers were good for him right after the midterms. The biggest weakness is the uncertainty towards him actually running. Now, it's pretty clear he is running, but I've spoken to even so many people in politics who are like, Daniel, yeah, I'm all for this, but is he even running? You know, that a lot of people think that. So if he were to come out and actually run and demonstrate a big campaign, that would change the calculus. I'm not saying he's a shoe in to win. I'm not saying he's, you know, most likely to win. I don't know. I think it in my mind it's 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 a it's a toss-up. But that will that is movable. 
whereas the general election sentiments, especially towards Trump, I mean, that's pretty much set. It showed DeSantis leading Biden in five of the six battlegrounds. He leads him by six in Arizona, by two in Michigan, by three in Nevada, by three in North Carolina, and by three in Pennsylvania. And they were tied in Wisconsin. And again, this is with um, DeSantis still, you know, the uncertainty. He can only grow from there, whereas Trump was behind in each and every one of these states. So at some point, that need, that has to matter. You know, sometimes you'll have two new candidates and one on the surface is polling better in the general, but you're like, you know, that could change. In this case, it's very, very unlikely. It is very unlikely. And what everyone should wake up towards, again, right now I'm, I'm putting aside my feelings towards Trump. I'm just going to, Doing horse horse race, horse race and po- political analysis. Very simple. And what we're seeing at this juncture is that Biden being a dead carcass, a gaff prone dementia machine, is not working on the voters. Democrats won a historic election, and I call that a victory. To have a midterm election where typically the party in power loses, but they actually pick up seats in the Senate with the worst economy, the worst inflation. It tells you what we're doing is not working. And voters are are very funny. Biden's administration is associated with the, you know, greatest period of radicalism we've ever experienced. But for whatever reason, he just doesn't give off that vibe to people. He's a dead body. Maybe they feel bad for him. But if you just run on Biden being a deadbeat, that's not going to work. I think, you know, if the Democrats had Gavin Newsom or like a new liberal face, they would become kind of a reverse Trump, their own version of Trump. They would become a lightning rod. There's a reason they put Biden in. He's just a straw man that they can go and do their agenda. And he doesn't seem harmful to those critical voters that put you over the top in those few states. We've seen that in 2022. I don't want to say it's impossible for Trump to ever win, but dude, you're looking at the two, you'd be stupid just from that standpoint to go with Trump, but much less to say 100%, and we don't even want to have a primary. To me, that is indefensible. And also, Trump is talking about all these anti-MAGA talk show hosts. Like, I don't know what he's talking about because, again, this is the only week I've ever watched Fox because I'm in a hotel room. And to a person, they are all supporting Trump. I don't know. There's not a single person who has given off the impression they would support DeSantis. Not one. So I don't know where that comes from. But, again, everything with this man is projection. One other point on the presidential race. So this is, where is this? This guy, A.G. Hamilton on Twitter. I forget what he's quoting from, but DeSantis DeSantis left Congress as I was entering Congress. 
It's one of these rhinos. There's a whole trend now of these Republican congressmen saying, DeSantis didn't hobnob with us. He just kind of slept in his office, did his business, and left. DeSantis left Congress as I was entering, so I don't know, didn't know him as a colleague. I spoke with some members who said he was a nice guy, but instead of going and having a beer after work, he would go home and get on FaceTime with his wife and kids for an hour or two. So, like, okay, that's a bad thing. Now, we'll see who falls for this. We'll see. I saw one, uh, you know, a friend of mine was like, I don't know, this is already a trend. A lot of people are saying saying this. DeSantis has to get better with, you know, reaching out to Congress or whatever. And I'm thinking, we always say, I don't want a political guy. I'm t- sick and tired of the political, you know, plasticated guys, the career politicians. And then finally, when we get one that is a, a, a normal family guy, doesn't play the game, operates on his own timeline, does his own thing, locks out the media as his own inner circle that's not related to any establishment, suddenly, I don't know, you know, I'm all for having an insurgent candidate, but this is, I, I'm telling you, I have PTSD experiencing this in, you know, Senate congressional gubernatorial primaries. Um, we would have a guy that was truly like, you know, out of the box, and the media and the establishment would join together, make fun of the guy, and then some of our own voters would be like, yeah, I don't know, I read this. Well, dude, what do you want? You want a normal guy. So, again, they, they had the political had this quote from this guy, uh, Trot, from Michigan. He was one of the biggest rhinos. He never, he never talked to me. Yeah, because you were a rhino dirtbag. He didn't want to have anything to do with you. Good. We need more of that. But I'm watching Fox, and, and I know, by the way, if I have a lower IQ for the next couple of weeks, that's why. Um, but I, I had to see what, what, everyone, what all these baby boomer Republican voters are exposed to. It's literally like the COVID shot causes neurological damage. And everything is... Biden's a fool, ha, 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 Biden this, Biden that. Dude, that hasn't worked until now. And they're all promoting Trump. They're all saying it's inevitable. Why Why are they saying that it's inevitable? Why do they want to short-circuit a primary? Again, that should bother all of you. Why does Trump and all of the conservative talk show hosts and Fox, why do they want to preempt a primary? It's a little bit disconcerting. And it is indefensible from any perspective. And like I said, I wouldn't want DeSantis to walk into it. Because as much as I want to get started, I don't want him to feel too comfortable. I want him to constantly feel like he's on his toes and he has to address our issues. That's the thing. We want choice and competition. It betters the outcome. But it is very disturbing. Certain people who know better, better, they're just, oh, we just need to rally behind him. And it's one thing if Trump was back on his game and really you know, hitting our high notes. But he has said many disturbing things from any version of MAGA, populist, conservative. Anyone should be disturbed by some of the things he has said recently. And they're like, see no evil, hear no evil. Not a word 
of rebuke. Hey, knock it off. Nothing. Whereas DeSantis, it's like, you didn't come out strongly enough defending Trump all over. And, and you know the irony? He took it to heart. And he was like, and, and he gave them what they wanted, which is a positive sign. One cares about what you and I think. One cares about what the liberal media thinks as much as he claims to fake fight them, but then leaks stories to them because his staff has so many relationships with them. Whereas DeSantis is true to his word and really doesn't have good relationships. And then guys are like, I don't know. It's not good with DeSantis. He doesn't have good relationships with the media. <laughs> well, what do you want? At some point, you got to take yes for an answer. And the amazing thing is, it's not just Fox News propagating this. So I figured I'd turn on Newsmax. I've never watched Newsmax. They've never asked me to come on. And first off, it just gets the same feel as Fox. There's really no difference. But they're doing the same thing. I saw them bash DeSantis over the heartbeat bill. I, I was like, what? I thought that was universal. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not shy about the fact that I don't think abortion is the top issue or even top pro-life issue relative to what we're being confronted with. But I thought, you know, this is what everyone's into. And it's not like his bill was even what they did in Oklahoma or some other states, uh, a plenary ban. No, I mean, it was only from the heartbeat on six weeks, and it had exceptions in it. And yet they're bashing him for it. On Newsmax, they have all these GOP consultants on. It's just weird. So again, they're not taking yes for an answer. And by the way, there's just a third story about Trump. Um, Rolling Stone, a Trump advisor, said, Team Trump doesn't want to just beat him. Team Trump wants to humiliate him maybe more than they've ever wanted to humiliate anybody on a national stage. Again, Why? Why? Oh, Daniel, that's Rolling Stone. You can't trust it. What do you mean? A Trump person spoke to them. I'm sick of people always saying, oh, you can't trust what the media says whenever it comes out Trump does liberal or stupid things. Well, that's the media saying it. Yeah, but his campaign is talking to them. <laughs> okay? So, to me, it's not surprising because DeSantis represents everything Trump doesn't. It's unbelievable polar opposite on everything. And that's why he just can't stand it. He had a free lane to come in there and basically this is all about rehabilitating his image that he cannot end his life as having lost an election. Now, you'll say, well, what happens if he likely loses again? Well, that was also stolen. But this way... If DeSantis comes in, he offers everything Trump promised but didn't deliver and often did the opposite, and then his career is over with. That's why he hates him so much. But we should all be wary of that. All be wary of that. And, and by the way, it just reminds me, watching Newsmax, Newsmax had a clear lane after the election to be that right-wing outlet. They have another clear lane now after Tucker and Bongino were let go from Fox. But if you notice, they still won't take it. They had a vaccine mandate on their own employees. On their own employees. That's how strong that inertia is. From donors, from the big money, 
to go along with the same narrative. Um, so we're we're out of time because I got to run to the ranges again. I will be back on Thursday, regular show, on schedule, like you always expect. But I am glad I was able to at least do one every day here out at Patriot Academy. Again, if you want to join us on the next trip, there's plenty of regular trips now that they have their own campus. PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. Uh, just one other or two other quick things. So... Similar thing with the presidential election we're experiencing with Senate elections. Not only are we not going forward, despite all of the leftist Republicans in the Senate, oh, we're finally turning the corner, and henceforth, the new deep red state open seats will be solid guys. No. Governor Jim Justice in West Virginia is announcing he's running for Senate. That man was a bigger COVID fascist than Larry Hogan in Maryland, where I was. To this day, he is to the left of Joe Biden on COVID. But it's not just COVID, it's every issue. He was a Democrat until three minutes ago. He changed parties for you know political reasons, and he's still a Democrat. And you know what? Trump will endorse him against Alex Mooney. I have no doubt. Alex Mooney is a Freedom Caucus guy. So there you go. Another one down the tubes. So we're not even advancing forward. Again, if all of these talk show hosts would say he is unacceptable, expose his record on the issues, it would be a different story. I've been talking about Jim Justice for several years, how he took a deep trending red state, trending deeper red, and turned it into a blue state. Connected to that, Uh, My buddy Andy Rotha sent me this from the State Freedom Caucus Network. There is a trend in Idaho and South Carolina in particular, maybe some other places, of county party GOPs voting to censure or no confidence in liberal state representatives, state legislators, liberal Republicans. So I know a lot of you are very active. Some of you are, you know, county central committee members. This is a good, good action items action item for, for you or some of our Liberty Strike Force teams to ramp up the pressure, not just during the legislative session, but all year on these guys start building the case. Again, as I talk about the presidential election, it's more about what it reflects and represents down ballot, down the panoply of issues that we have a professional fake conservative political class that cares about the show, that cares about their own career. They're governed by fear, by click servitism in terms of C-L-I-C-K getting clicks, Q-U-E as in joining a click, conservatism and the double entendre there. We don't have free thinkers. We don't have people that are committed to a mission. So to me, ultimately, the reason why I support DeSantis, as I've said a hundred times, is not even because I think it will matter much who's in the White House but someone that will actually promote our people down ballot in red states and our issues so that at least we could have a couple of areas where we could live freely. Because under Trump, because of his endorsements and his, well, let's say, just say his focus, we have states like West Virginia that were uninhabitable during COVID. Rural West Virginia's may as well be San Francisco. It was that bad. 
That's what we need to change. I'll be back regular time, regular place on uh, Thursday show. Smooth sailing from there. Thanks for bearing with me. Um, you know, the audio has been a little bit different. I'm here in a hotel room. You could still email me, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. I'll be a little bit, a little bit slow for a day. And uh, Twitter, I'm, I know I've been slow there as well. At RM Conservative, we'll be writing again. Um, no column today, but we do have this show. And really looking forward to meeting some of you again here at Patriot Academy. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.